0: progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law i'm tim fitzgerald at gopowercat.com and i'm scott jason with fog.net this is a replay of wibw's tv show the drive here's this week's episode on the 24 7 sports podcast network Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and the man across the studio for me is Scott Chasen of Fog.net. Scott, basketball season just isn't very enjoyable this year for some reason. Yeah,
1: Fitz, it wasn't a great week for Kansas fans. It wasn't a great week for Kansas State fans. I guess it is a great week if you're a fan of The Drive.
0: Hmm. So we got stuff to talk about. You can interact with us on social media at Facebook.com slash The Drive Show on Twitter at The Drive 13. And, of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of The Drive, don't fret. You can get an audio-only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at both gopowercat.com and fog.net. And we start things off with our 2-Minute Drill. The 2-Minute Drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Scott, this week was a busy week for Kansas. Mm -hmm. Let's say football news for the next segment. Tell us about KU basketball's loss to Tennessee on Saturday. How did that one get away from the Jayhawks so quickly?
1: Well, it it didn't take much time, Fitz. And look, I don't want to oversimplify anything because there are problems with this Kansas team. But the Jayhawks started this one shooting one for 16 from three. Tennessee was five for seven from three in the first half alone. The Jayhawks' looks, they were difficult to come by. Scoring was an issue against the Tennessee defense that, depending where you look, ranks number one or ranks number two in the nation. Jayhawks had some defensive issues, too. We'll get to that in a second. But, hey, Fitz, the name of the game is scoring points. You've seen a couple of the easy baskets that Kansas scored. There were very few of those, especially from the outside. Marcus Garrett was probably KU's best three-point shooter on the day. He doesn't make a lot of threes. Let's dive into some of these offensive issues. The Jayhawks mixed up their starting lineup, putting Dewan Harris, you see him number three on the court there, putting him in the game for Jalen Wilson, uh, who had started all but one game this year, the second game of the season. That could help from a passing perspective, from a defensive perspective. But what it didn't help with was the spacing on the court. You see, Tennessee was able to pack the paint because KU had three non-shooters in the game at the same time. That made things difficult for KU's offense, although the Jayhawks did actually get a decent amount of threes for guys like Ochai Abashi, even Christian Brown. They just weren't falling. Those two combined to go, uh, I believe, one for 13 on the game. Just not good uh, shooting at all. Then defensively, the Jayhawks had issues too. Uh, Kansas was at a rest disadvantage. The Jayhawks played on Thursday. Tennessee had played on Tuesday. So Kansas didn't have much time for the scout for this game uh, simply because they were traveling. It's on Friday, they had to get out to Knoxville to even play in this game, uh, and it absolutely showed. Tennessee's action looked smooth. Bill Self, after the game, complained uh, that the Jayhawks didn't do a good job of making the other team play poorly. Defensively, this KU team doesn't have the energy. It doesn't play with the focus uh, of some past KU teams, and look, Bill Self defenses are typically very good. Most of them have ranked inside the top 10 nationally, depending on uh, what site you choose to look at. Some of them, like last year's, have ranked number one in the country. This year's team is not that. It doesn't have a rim protector. It really doesn't pressure the ball in the perimeter like it has in past years, mostly because you have a great defender in Marcus Garrett, a good defender in DeWan Harris, but you don't have those guys all over, so it's too easy to get mismatches. Fitz, this one got away for a lot of reasons, shooting, defense, the rest. I think it was a, a kind of a perfect storm of everything.
0: Not good at all.
1: No. Well, Fitz, the Manhattan Mercury reported Sunday that Kansas State Athletics Director Gene Taylor plans to retain basketball coach Bruce Weber for next season. Was this the dreaded vote of confidence from Taylor, or is Weber truly safe?
0: Uh, What's interesting about this report from our friend Ryan Black, the sports editor of the Manhattan Mercury, is Taylor really didn't leave much wiggle room. This wasn't a vote of confidence that he backs up on later. The words spoken to Ryan Black were, hey, uh, you know, the the plan is we're gonna retain him. And unless something happens off the court, unrelated to basketball, uh, he's gonna be back. Now, Kellis Robinette of the Kansas City Star, Wichita Eagle, followed up on Sunday. And right before I headed over to tape tonight, he had Gene Taylor kind of, not really backpedaling, but softening his stance a little bit that we'll evaluate at the end of the year. What really the impetus of this was that Baylor game on Wednesday down in Waco. Look, Baylor's a terrific team, much better than Kansas State this season. Certainly, the f- the problem was Baylor won by 48 points. Scott, that's the largest loss in K State basketball history. It was a record that had st- stood from 1934, which I find remarkable because they didn't score that many points in 34, and yet. Back then, 47 points was the margin of defeat for K-State. So this team literally is, and this isn't just words, historically bad. It might be the worst K-State team in history, and maybe the pandemic has added to that, but the rebuild was not related to the pandemic, it just came at a bad time. So to have your AD say, I don't really care what's going on in the court, I don't care how bad it is, Uh, Bruce Weber will come back, really sits poorly with a lot of fans. But Gene Taylor made it very clear, he's talking to donors, he's getting their input, but it sounds like he's talking to the biggest donors, the guys and gals who have the most in their pocketbook that can give to K-State, and he said, look, these people aren't demanding any action, one way or another, they're just giving me input. Well, I suspect he's gonna start hearing from donors, Mm -hmm. and the real problem isn't those big donors, it's all the ticket holders. They're not even selling out their allotment of 1,500 seats this year. Mm. Get to next season, if everyone can start attending again, and there isn't a change or a serious uptick in the quality of basketball because these young guys caught on, And man, the crowds are going to be minimal, nominal. Uh, I I hope it all works out. I mean, I hope Bruce Weber can do this. The rebuild takes off next year, but how many years do you get a rebuild Mm -hmm. just to occasionally have one good season? And I think fans are really fed up.
1: Yeah, it's a tough situation. Sticking with Big 12 hoops fits the Big 12 lost the Big 12 SEC challenge, four games to five, Uh, with one game, Texas versus Kentucky not taking place. What are your thoughts on how these two leagues matched up?
0: Well, again, I come back to this, this challenge series has done wonders for the SEC. It's put them on the same platform as the Big 12, which is regarded as a better basketball conference. And you always have to skew this thing because with 14 teams as opposed to the Big 12's 10, Big 12 has to play everyone, and the SEC gets to lop off some teams they don't want to play. Overall, the Big 12 lost 4-5. to five. I get that, but Iowa State and Kansas State are really bad, bad basketball teams this year. And K-State was competitive, Iowa State wasn't. Iowa State had their own historical loss at Mississippi State on Saturday. But if you look at the best teams in this conference, Texas didn't play and sadly I'm not putting KU into that sentence, Oklahoma upset Alabama missing a key player. Brady Manic doesn't play and Oklahoma still beats them. Baylor runs away from Auburn. Baylor looked really good. Texas Tech rallies to win on the road. So the best teams seem to have surfaced in this thing and gotten the job done for the conference. Unfortunately Kansas looked really bad against Tennessee and West Virginia lost its game. So. Uh, overall, I don't think the Big 12 really suffered that much. It kind of proved what we've always thought. The top of this conference is really good, the middle is pretty good, and the bottom is really bad. And why do I say that? Because Kansas State, as I mentioned, it might be the worst team in school history And they're not the worst team in the Big 12 this season. Thank you, Iowa State. So I don't know how you felt about it, Scott, but I thought the Big 12 did okay considering everything going on.
1: Yeah, you know, I I spoke about earlier some of the things working against Kansas, the rest disadvantage, all those things. But look, Tennessee was the better team on the court that day. Uh, That Tennessee defense caused all sorts of problems for Kansas. Kansas was actually one of the most successful offenses in terms of points per possession against Tennessee this year just because they're that good on that end. But I agree. I I think if Texas had played Kentucky, you would. Mm-hmm. Would have felt. You know, better about the Big 12 in that one. I think Oklahoma has been the team uh, that is a lot better than people realize. You know, Kansas split with Oklahoma Uh, for the Sooners to go on the road. uh, No Austin Reeves. Brady Manick has been banged up in and out of the lineup. Um, To go on the road or, or, excuse me, to get that win in a game where you're playing a top 10 team, I I think that's really impressive for them. Uh, I think the Big 12 is very, very good this year. I think the Big 10 obviously has a lot of good teams. But, you know, even though the SEC won the series, I came away with the impression that, yeah, hey, the Big 12 probably has better teams, especially at the top, than the SEC.
0: And Baylor was like, okay, Auburn, we're just kind of tired of playing here. <laughs> we're going to blow you out now. It's kind of remarkable to watch. Yeah. Now a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. Well, last week's question
1: was, will KU basketball earn a top three seed in the 2021 NCAA tournament? And a little surprising, though, before the Tennessee game, 43% said yes. It's a little higher than I thought it would be. 57% said
0: no. I wonder what it would be today if we asked that question. This week's question is this. K-State's basketball program has lost eight straight games. Will the Wildcats win another regular season game? There are eight remaining if they get the Iowa State game on the books. This season, the 2021 season, very complicated answers. A is yes, B is no. Even I can figure that one out. (laughs) Vote on our Twitter page, at The Drive at 13. Well, that'll do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we will
1: be right back with more on KU and K-State on The Drive.
0: Welcome back to the drive as we continue our weekly two minute drill. The two minute drill spans sponsored by Vanderbilt's, your work boot center. Scott, news broke last Wednesday that Kansas offensive coordinator Brent Deerman is leaving for Middle Tennessee. Break down the situation for us. How big of a loss is this for the Hawks?
1: Well, look, I, I think it is a loss. I know some people have wondered about, you know, maybe did Kansas nudge him out the door? Middle Tennessee, not necessarily the best job. That's a program that struggled too. Uh, I would just start by saying you never want to lose your offensive coordinator, any assistant, a week before signing day. And that's when this news was reported. I was able to confirm it Wednesday evening, exactly seven days before signing day, that Deerman would be on the move. Fitz, uh, it's hard to know how big a loss this is. Think back to 2019. Brent Deerman takes over. What happens the first game against Texas? Kansas puts up 48 points on the road in Austin. The next game, the Jayhawks put up 37 against Texas Tech. Later in the year, 31 against Iowa State. Oh, by the way, they scored 48 points in a game at Boston College early in the year. Brent Dierman wasn't the offensive coordinator at the time but after the season quarterback Carter Stanley goes on a podcast and says 85 to 90 percent of the plays in that game came from Brent Dierman. So the, the 2019 season was as much of a meteoric rise and a success as I mean you could pretty much possibly have again including a win against Texas Tech where the Jayhawks trailed 17-0 from the onset uh, and end up winning that game. What happened in 2020 Uh, All that success, and and then some faded. The Jayhawks ranked dead last in most Big 12 offensive categories. Uh, Now, you lost Carter Stanley. You lost Puka Williams, who only played in a few games. He was hampered by injury. uh, And then he decided to to opt out for the rest of the season. You lost your number two wide receiver, Stephon Robinson. You just saw him score a touchdown on your screen there. He dealt with ankle surgery. He played only a few snaps. The offensive line lost Hakima Deneji to the NFL. You lost all your starts at tackle, left tackle, right tackle, and center. So the offense was replacing a lot during the year. I remember Brent Deerman? we got to talk to him, uh, and he joked that Kansas couldn't pass, Kansas couldn't run, and he was looking to find a third way to move the ball just because uh, things weren't working right then. Uh, in 2020, Kansas used a 17-year-old starting quarterback for much of the year. He didn't get a spring. They didn't get a full chance to implement the offense. So it's hard to know. We don't know how big a loss this is because if it's. 2019 looks so good, and 2020 looks so bad. And I've mentioned a few of the reasons that you could say, well, hey, it's not his fault, it's not his fault. But he was still coordinating the offense. They still rank dead last in most Big 12 offensive categories the next year. Really hard to know. I do think it's a loss. Les Miles spoke about this loss. He, he did say there were some family issues, and that's part of the reason for this departure. It comes at a bad time for everyone, for Deerman for Kansas. But uh, we'll see who they replace him with, and we'll talk about that a little bit more it just
0: later. It seems like a really odd move. It's yeah. really hard to explain.
1: Well, Fitz, K-State was at least competitive in its game with Texas A&M this weekend. Big 12 SEC Challenge, losing 68-61. to we haven't always seen K-State be competitive. What was different this time around?
0: Well, they played better. And, and to be blunt here, Texas AM and wasn't very good. I mean, they came on in on their own three-game losing streak. Uh, they're not one of the better teams in the SEC this year. It was a nice matchup for K-State. And they had Nigel Pack back and healthy. He missed three games, four games with COVID, and, and played last, the last game at Baylor, but you know, he really was in full strength. He looked great in this game. I mean, he, he really lit it up in the second half. I think he ended the game 8 of 14 from three-point range, which set a freshman record for the most three-pointers, but also tied a school record for the second most three-pointers in a game, uh, behind a skid, Jones' 14 way back win. K-State was better because it made shots, and it kind of got into a flow of the game a little bit in the second half, but it just got away from K-State towards the end. Uh, You know, look, Anytime you got a guy like that just go completely bonkers shooting the ball, it opens everything else up, it relaxes everyone. everyone. And and at least it was a a sign of hope, a a taste of something better than what has been happening to the team. Maybe made the players feel a little bit better. They're going into an extremely tough stretch of basketball here in the conference where they're going to catch KU a couple times. They got Texas and Texas Tech coming up and uh, it's just going to be really tough on this team. Uh, if they don't get that Iowa State game rescheduled, State probably is looking at not winning another game because, uh, bluntly put, the only other team they might be competitive with is TCU, who seems to be playing pretty good basketball all of a sudden, almost winning at Missouri. They probably should have won that game on Saturday. So uh, Nigel Pack showed that he is the star of this class. When you take him off the floor, it really does kind of tie the hands of this coaching staff and what they can do because he's the true point guard, he's the true leader. And, boy, he was on fire on Saturday, and yet it still wasn't good enough as a left Manhattan with a win.
1: Yeah, Fitz, I think you'd agree this game was much closer than the final yeah. margin, even though the final margin wasn't that bad. For young teams, I think one of the most important things, talking to coaches, is just to be in close games to get that experience, even if you don't win. Um, their moral victories can be a scary word or a word people don't like to use in sports, but I think this qualifies
0: as well. I'll settle for it. Let's put it that way. <laughs> And now we step out of bounds, and Out of Bounds is brought to you by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Let's switch gears and head down the road to Kansas City. The Chiefs will be in the Super Bowl next week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in Tampa. Scott, what do you think, uh, what would a win do for Patrick Mahomes' legacy, and what do you think of this game?
1: Well, I think it would do a lot, bits. I think it's a big deal. You know, when you have a player who is in the conversation for greatest of all time or, you know, even just starting that because he's in the first, you know, the very, very beginning of his career, uh, it, it's so different. Things become a, a lot more magnified. And the reason I even bring up the greatest of all time conversation is not because Patrick Mahomes can be that with a win. That would just be a second Super Bowl. He's playing the guy who many consider to be that. But you can lose out on that conversation very quickly. Super Bowls are really, really, really hard to come by. There's no guarantee you ever make it back to one just because you do. There's no guarantee you ever win a second one just because you do. Ask Aaron Rodgers about that. Ask Drew Brees about that. Ask the number of guys like Russell Wilson who got one on their rookie contract before they started making big money. Now all of a sudden they're being paid 20, 30, $40 million and you don't have the money to build up a roster around them. Patrick Mahomes has already brought Kansas City a Super Bowl. It was a huge deal. Another one would be a huge deal. Same for Andy Reid. But if he wants to put himself in the conversation of being one of the greatest players to ever play the game of football, he has to take advantage of Super Bowl opportunities. He has to take advantage when he gets deep in the postseason to win as many as he can. And oh, by the way, Beating Tom Brady, the Absolutely. guy many consider to be the greatest of all time. I mean, think about what that would do for his legacy. Fits. I, th- I think it would be a huge deal for him. This
0: this game has the feel of a kind of a changing of generations here, and it didn't matter that it was Brady. It's significant as Brady, but it mm-hmm. could have been Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. also in there. Yeah, or it could have been another young quarterback from the AFC. It just feels like this is old against new. It's very intriguing, but beating Tom Brady would certainly help that legacy a long ways. Mm-hmm. Well.
1: Now let's hear from the fans.
0: Our fan question this week is, Scott, Ed Warner to KU, tell me it's happening from Justin and Lawrence. And Justin's very hopeful. It's
1: happening, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hey, hey look, that would be breaking some news here. Look, it's still very early in this coordinator search. Um, uh, It does sound like the Jayhawks want to go with an outside hire, at least Les Miles called it a national search. So that would be the implication. I can tell you, it does seem at least early on, there's been some reported interest. From that kind of side of things, maybe Ed Warner wanting to come back to the place where he was on the staff when Kansas won the Orange Bowl. He's obviously been uh, offensive coordinator in Lawrence. Jayhawks actually have a couple interesting names if they want to promote from within their own staff. You have Joshua ergle uh, who clearly has the trust of Les Miles. He took over as interim coach when Miles was out. He's a guy who was at Austin Peay as offensive coordinator. He had some record-breaking success. Emmett Jones, the wide receivers coach, he's another name. Or they could look for someone. Financially, though, that's a big part of this. It's during a pandemic. Don't have a ton of money. Don't have limitless money. I see Fitz pointing to himself. Maybe he can be the next OC. Uh, but financially, that's a huge part of this, too, because you have to be able to afford whoever you go out and get uh, and the boosters and donors have to be down with it too.
0: I pledge I'll only call the plays at work.
1: (laughs) Well, remember to ask us your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at The Drive 13. And when we return, we will look at our predictions here on The Drive. CBS Sunday, after the Equalizer.
0: You collect rewards, right?
1: This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something of tracker you strong swimmer so 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 so's okay justin hartley stars how you survive you make quick smart decisions if you never let panic take the wheel sounds cool it is cool actually very cool tracker cbs season finale sunday after the equalizer on cbs and streaming on paramount plus
0: Welcome back as we head down the home stretch of this week's show. Now it's time to take a look at our predictions. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive13. Here are last week's results. The viewers went one and three as we pick up a game from week four. Scott and I both went two and two. Please don't look at this overall total for me. It's embarrassing. <laughs> it's personally embarrassing. Here's this week's picks. We start with Texas Tech minus 16 and a half of Kansas State. Scott, this is a bigger spread than what Tech won by in Lubbock but I bumped it up for some reason. (laughs) What do you say? Uh, I'm
1: gonna go with Kansas State and the points, but I don't feel great about this one either way.
0: I'm gonna pick Texas Tech. That's a lot of points. Mm -hmm. Mm. Well, next is Kansas
1: plus three and a half at West Virginia Fitz. I got mixed up last week. I picked Kansas. We got the line kind of mixed up, so we had to adjust it. I'm gonna stick with the home team and go with West Virginia. I actually think the Mountaineers can handle Kansas this week. Uh,
0: Well, I'll be interested to see if I'm right. I'm usually not. I'm going with Kansas. Here's our last game of the week. Of course, it's the Super Bowl. Chiefs minus three and a half against Tampa Bay. And we both say Mm -hmm. Chiefs. I thought we were going to do Kansas City. We, we really didn't choreograph this well. Kansas City, again, make your picks on our Twitter page at The Drive 13. Now it's time for our On the Clock segment. On the Clock is sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a strong local community. Let's start with Mr. Scott, Jason of Fog.net. Well, one of the
1: most interesting figures on this KU basketball team is Jalen Wilson. In his first 11 games, he averaged 15 points per game. He had a couple 20-point outings against ranked teams leading the Jayhawks to wins. In the four games coming into the Tennessee contest, he had nine made field goals combined, nine turnovers in that time. He's kind of fallen off the face of the earth. He was taken out of the starting lineup. After the game, Bill Self said there are some players on the team dealing with confidence issues. He didn't mention anyone specifically. He would have to imagine he's one of them. The Jayhawks need to find a way to get him going because he's been the X factor for this KU basketball team. He's athletic. He can play the five even though he's a wing. He can give them a lot of lineup versatility. Jayhawks need to find a way to get Jalen Wilson playing better or their ceiling is going to be limited.
0: Let's be honest here. COVID has affected Kansas State basketball. There's no way you can deny that it has impacted this team in a negative way being so young. But I asked this question because it was asked of me. If you look at the Big 12 schedule, really the schedule overall, without COVID, if it's a normal season, how much really changes about this season for Kansas State basketball? Probably the answer is they lose, but by less. And I don't know if that's good enough. I don't know if that's a good enough reason to keep uh, Bruce Weber around because it'd be less bad. Just weird. That's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you right here next week and all week on social media.